0: And welcome to Funny Business, a podcast for free thinkers. I'm Lockie
1: Bradford. And I'm Robbie Hicks. And on today's episode, we sit down with the one and only Nick Crocker, general partner at Blackbird Ventures. And tell you what, Lock, what a chat this was. Oh mate,
0: just to pick the, this legend's brain—what an absolute treat, wasn't it? You you were kicking me under the table
1: pretty much the whole time, going, this,
0: I love this, I love this." He's talking about productivity. Oh my god!
1: No, I don't think I was talking like that. But I and I don't remember kicking you, but I remember having a it was a genuinely good chat. So Nick, for those who are listening, wants to know a bit more about him. He's been an early investor in companies like Culture Amp, Neurosound. Uh, he cut his teeth over in the states, working at a company called like MyFitnessPal uh blackbird ventures works with some absolutely rock star companies uh in australia and we are just so lucky that he came and had a chat to us
0: he put our little uh podcast in his and he broke it down into his uh excel spreadsheet so thank you so much for for
1: jumping on and making some time for us nick i know you're a busy man and i wonder stuff. where he allocated our time though under fun just or to, like, play or business i reckon play and fun
0: Playing fun, I like that. But yeah, I mean, this cat's done a bit, hasn't he? I just finished up the edit and just listening back, there's about a million quotes there. So I've just been scribbling the whole time. So thanks for making my life hard, Nick, by being so
1: fucking smart. Mate, so let's kick off. Nick, thanks so much for jumping on and uh, agreeing to have a chat in the pod. We're having a bit of a browse and you've got our fingers in a lot of pies. Yes. What's going on in your world at the moment?
2: Uh, So the big news in my household is my five-year-old just had his first day of school this week. So uh, that's a big moment for any parent where their first child gets to go to school. Uh, So dealing with all the... um, I took him to school yesterday morning and it turns out kids don't go to school on Wednesdays for the first month of school or something. So anyway...
0: You feel like oh, yeah. you've got the five days, don't you? As soon as grade prep hits, you're like, see you later, are you?
1: What do you mean? Hump day. Well, I'd back in the house on hump day. You're well, kidding. My wife's a prep teacher and she's like, she said she's back at school. And I go, how's school? And she goes, oh, the kids aren't here. I go, well, what did you do? What did you do? <laughs> then she didn't talk to me for about an hour. So that was good.
2: <laughs> yeah, so that was a, that was a you know, good, good moment. So uh, adjusting to that, um, my wife's uh, just a doctor. She's just started this on Monday as well. She had her first day of uh, hematology. So that was a big, big day in the family this week, and uh, we've just come back from two weeks of, of break. And so I am just in the in the maelstrom of a very full inbox, and a whole bunch of new people on our team have started, and a whole bunch of new investments that we've done recently. So it's been a been a crazy couple of days, but I'm excited excited to join you both this afternoon.
0: I was going to say, I feel like we're eating into some precious time here. You sound like <laughs> you got a lot on your plate. How do you sort of, you know, you've got this big sort of dump of work. How do you manage your like play your way through like do you set it all up where it's like i'm gonna write a list down and prioritize that or is it just like just let's get some energy and have a couple of coffees and smash it out
2: yeah no that that that, um get some energy and smash it out doesn't turns out that doesn't work for very long so i'm a bit of a psycho about this stuff um most of what i do i wouldn't recommend for the general population but uh it all starts with my trello board and I basically live my life by my Trello board and I have a particular list in Trello, which is today. And everything that I have to do today is on my Trello board saying that says today. Uh, and then I have my backlogs and then I have things that are up next and then my personal stuff. And I uh, was very lucky at the end of last year, we, um, I, I've got an EA now, Tamara, who's just joined our team. Um, and she works with me and Samantha and Alex, the two of the other partners. So um, I'm pretty lucky now to have some support on that side. Um, but, uh i I won't go into it too much detail because it gets quite boring but um trello board is where you know if you looked at my trello today you know exactly what was going on
0: i love that because it just gets a bit of clarity in the mind doesn't it i've noticed even even if i've just done a to-do list for today i just look at that and go i can have a shower and breathe because i know exactly what i need to do today
1: have you always just trello i get stuck like i go from tool to tool i try and find one i get sick of it i move to something else i'm like I'd love to keep it all up there i'm like but there's all these new fancy ones <laughs> they got a little bit more functionality but keep it simple you
2: know
1: to do do done. Yeah.
2: yeah no i love i love trello and i've got pretty um pretty funky with um creating actions on cards so you can just one click to automate a whole lot of different bits and pieces we actually hired a head of productivity at blackbird last year uh his name is clark carter he was previously previously at atlassian working in the um the uh working for the ceos there and he's just done a huge amount of work internally with us to create basically any process that we do twice that's the same is an opportunity for him to automate something for us so it's been cool to we've got a bit of a culture internally at blackbird about um productivity obsession i would say oh yeah. Like
0: yeah you got a little bit of a sniffy, don't you?
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> he loves productivity don't you are you well, love the I, topic i do love the topic but i i, I like <laughs> i like where your head's at nick because i think thinking about doing like processes but finding time to do it I think that when we especially at Atlassian I think that their mantra is the way we work is just as important as the work that we do and I think that when we talk to as my job I go out there as a coach and I go and work with different organizations and most of the time is a lot of the time it's like focus on delivery 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 and no one's really focusing on well how are we actually structuring our work how are we making sure that we're organized in an efficient manner manner, and that this process that we're creating is going to be sustainable can be improved and we're we're not going to just burn ourselves out by trying to like just push features out the door all day every day
2: yeah before you chop down a tree sharpen the axe oh i like that oh huh? metaf- i love that <laughs> It paints a picture doesn't
1: it mate i read your uh, afr article around adapting to covid you pumped out uh around, i think it was around august and you were talking about how your life is spent we're talking on a zoom call now so i do apologize after um reading that article seeing how much time you spent on zoom and <laughs> flicking messages back and forth on Slack and Gmail and all those sort of things. But how how did life change for you? And and how do you think it's going to adapt and change as we move out of COVID?
2: Yeah, what a weird year. Um, And, and my year was sort of split. So we had a, we had a, um, uh, our second child late in 2019. So um, Julia was on maternity leave for the most of last year. So actually COVID and I've, quite a few people in my circles have said this, was actually quite a simple, quiet time for us. You know, you've got the baby who requires all of your focus. Jules wasn't working and we couldn't go anywhere. So it was just the four of us just locked down all year um, or most of the year. Um, and I actually just loved it. I loved the simplicity. There was no travel. It was just a really centering time. Then Julia went back to work when we got into the second lockdown and that was just a shit show. You know, Daddy <laughs> I, it was just... It was so hard. Um, it was just oh, I, there was a point there where I just thought I was going to have to take six weeks of unpaid leave from work. Cause it was just getting getting too much. So we, we managed to get through it, but it went the, the year went from blissful to just a bit of a nightmare, to be honest. Um, and you know, and I will we'll talk a little bit about it, but but balancing family and work's incredibly challenging. Last year, um, everyone you know, any professional with with kids had that challenge, and yeah, we we were no different. So. Uh, I think when I wrote that article in the AFR, we still. Um, I think Julia had just gone back to work, so I sort of and sort of knew that change was coming. But honestly, like I don't think we got on top of it last year. It was just we were just scrambling to get to the end of the year, like most families. And fortunately, I had a couple of weeks off in January and, and feel pretty refreshed and ready to go this year.
0: Well, you got to fill that cup, don't you? And it's like you <laughs> you get another job, don't you? It's another full time job, a teacher. Like you have to do all that stuff, all the learning. You can't sort of escape and. It's it's a bit crazy, isn't well, it's,
1: it? It's funny. Like being sitting, I had this sort of similar experience sitting on Zoom calls all last year, and it was funny how quickly I felt like the workforce was humanized. Like people who would normally be a bit, maybe they're a bit stiff or uptight or whatever, and all of a sudden their kids are yelling and screaming in the background, and people are coming in and like, oh, oh my kids annoying too.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was nice actually. Yeah, no, it's, it's there's a real acceptance of it now. We just we all were in it together. Um, and yeah, you really got to know people's spare bedrooms last year. <laughs>
1: yeah, I <laughs> love That's that. where we're sitting right now. Yeah, right? look, it's not the yeah. best. We don't, have much, we don't
0: have much greenery or anything like that. It's a nice it's, little, it's a, we're trying our best in the mat- We've got a now. mattress flipped up at the back. It's a bit of a crap isn't it? And we're in beautiful Torquay. Hey, I need to jazz it up a bit. Tiles has been on
2: my back. She goes, you need to deck it out. I think, it, I think <laughs> you need the funny business neon sign behind you. That's what, that's what that's, I'm, I'm seeing.
0: That's not a bad idea. actually like the old dive bars. I reckon that's not a bad shout, actually. We're going to find someone who does neon signs, huh? Yeah,
2: if there's anyone who does neon signs,
0: get in touch. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll sort put that,
1: that out. We'll put, I love that one behind us. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. when do you think it's going to be? Like, where do you see, like, people, uh, I, I, you've noticed now, besides until the news is like, yes, safe, especially in Melbourne, that there's potential COVID's back again or whatever. Who Like, who knows what's going on there? But people are starting to filter back into the city. We're looking at some trends last week um, around, like, foot traffic in in burke street and things like that and starting to hit levels that was i think just before uh original first lockdown so things are starting to i guess starting to ramp back up do you think it's still going to be a bit of a mix or are people going to desert the cities are they going to use like hubs like where do you think the workforce is going
2: it's a good question i definitely think work has changed forever so um, i think what you'll see is most companies will transition to a mix of work from home and work from the office because we all realize now like we were probably kidding ourselves about how necessary it was to be in the office. It's not a, it's not a five day a week uh, need really for most businesses. And and most lives are probably better lived with a bit of a mix of the two and that flexibility on time to do the, to avoid the commute and, and to have that family time. You know, we talked about the family stuff in terms of, you know, kids coming in and interrupting and doing the homeschooling and stuff. But actually I think a big theme out of last year was for a lot of people traveling less and focusing more on just what was in front of them sort of was a wake up call of, ah, oh, this is, you know, if you've got kids, that time really disappears quickly. And I think a lot of people's priorities probably shifted a bit and I don't think that will tra- I don't think they'll change back. Um, and then, so, so, you know, absolutely work will never change. I think also healthcare is, will never change. We all got used to, uh, telehealth last year some way shape or form and and the medical community that had sort of been so slow and taking so long suddenly had to embrace telehealth so i think that's hugely positive change and definitely seen it in, in um, eucalyptus one of our portfolio companies so um you yeah, those are two trends that i think we're not going to we're not going to walk back from
1: well i'm not rushing back i, I we saved being down here in and talking i was work, working in the city like i've saved 15 hours a week on commuting back and forth and mm. I can now do my groceries before the sun goes down. That's and you probably nice, and yeah. you probably work
0: more hours too. You know what I mean? Because yeah, it's the there's probably issues in that as well, isn't it? Like productivity shame and all that sort of stuff. Like I found it difficult. Around. I don't
1: know about yourself, but I know you had a different scenario. I don't have kids, so you were sitting at home trying to juggle being a dad and sit in front of the computer and get things done. But I found myself at times more inactive. Like I was sitting there at my desk nearly the whole day, whereas I used to just, I don't know, maybe I walked around the office too much or just roamed around or <laughs> yeah. did shit or went for too many, moments, yeah, too many water cooler moments. Yeah, too many water cooler moments, but I found like myself getting stuck and I, I didn't have the right, I guess, routine to, that was a healthy balance, like standing up, and the backs being sore. It's new challenges with people adapting to working from home. Did you experience the same stuff?
2: Yeah, I went pretty hard pretty early on one thing we instit- instituted at Blackbird was a thousand dollars for everyone on the team to go and set up their work from home setup really well, whether it was a chair, a standing desk, a camera, a microphone, whatever it might have been. So we all invested pretty hard and fast in getting comfortable because we're gonna, we knew we were going to be there 40 hours a week, you know, for indefinitely, it felt like at certain points last year. Um, but it's just, you know, life is just constant adjustment, right? Like it just, and, and especially when you have kids, you just have to become a master at adjustment. You know, we, you know, we spoke before the chat about, you know, turn, rocking up at school and, and uh, suddenly school's not on yesterday. Like that's just life now. You just have to, you have to be fluid and flexible. And, and uh, yeah, we, um, we did everything we could at Blackbird to sort of help our team through it um even down to giving people a budget for healthy snacks because the one thing is if you you know 10 seconds away from the fridge you gotta be pretty careful about you know what's in the fridge because you can just eat you just kind of mindlessly get your way through the day so yeah it was a big challenge and, and especially during that hard lockdown wow that that second one was a real <laughs> was a real struggle here in victoria
0: oh 100 mate it was um different challenges for everyone i suppose and um hopefully this year things start to open back up a little bit and we can we can start to explore different opportunities but um what else do we have next on the I agenda about,
1: i want to talk about you you, you say you're a bit of a psychopath with your time what do you mean by that
2: oh well I, I track every minute that i work so um i've got data going back three years on you know exactly what i did at any point in the day, like you could, you could ask me a date and a time, I could tell you what I was working on. So, you know, we talked about working more hours. So I worked 1,700 hours in 2018, uh, 1,800 in 29, in 2020. No, sorry. I've worked 1,900 hours last year, 1,800 the year before, and 1,700 the year before that. So I know for sure that I worked more hours last year, even with everything and not commuting any of that sort of stuff. I worked more hours last year than I did and I I really felt busy the two years prior. So I was pretty shocked at that. So that's, that's what I mean. And you know, like I'm I'm doing a big deep dive at the moment into um, uh, how I go about meeting new companies, how many companies I meet to do an investment, you know, who are the best sources of referrals for companies that I really enjoy investing, how many companies have I invested in, how many companies have I done the work on and they're not invested in. So I've just, I've done a really deep dive into my that allocation of my time over the last couple of days as i'm sort of launching into 2021 where it's going to be a big focus so, you know last year was very internally focused for me we expanded our team from 8 to 32 and oh, sure. um, we, we were sort of maybe a little underprepared to do that even a COVID year um so there's a lot of work to keep our culture um uh sort of upheld for a pretty tricky time and so that was my big focus last year this year i want to really get back into that early stage investing in the mess of meeting companies before they're formed or just as they're formed and being their first believer so i mean sort of you know in terms of we talked about sharpening the axe before you chop down the tree or you know that sharpening the axe has really been focusing on what activities in the past that i've done have resulted in the best quality meetings of new companies and so um that's been a big deep dive but I was able to do that in a pretty quantitative way because I got three years of pretty accurate data there. Um, and one of my colleagues, Michael Batko, who's the CEO of Startmate, is um, just a, a weapon in Excel. So he just um, whips up tables for me and reports, and he's he's a great co-pilot on my uh, deep dives and my time analysis.
1: Mate, that's insane. I fucking love that. I knew you would froth that. It's it's. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I'd be able to keep. How... Is it like automated to keep it updated as a pull from Gmail or something? like Or are no, you going manually a, It's just an thing?
2: Excel spreadsheet. And so, just a couple of times a day, I'll just go, okay, what have what the last couple of hours been? And then, you know, just have a quick check on my calendar and go, okay, that's what it is. And then I'll look at the afternoon. And, you know, like before when I did it, I put, put our time together and then I got a board meeting tonight for two hours. So that's already in there. And, you know, like it, it just, it's, I, I worked at my fitness pal for three years, which is a food tracking app. And, what we learned from the, our obsessive users was just that it just felt it just became a habit and they never even, they never even thought about the tracking. It was just part of what they did. It was just like sitting down to a meal, you know, it was that easy to them. It was just an easy part of the process. So
1: why is it so important that you track your time like that? What insights are you looking for around? Is it around where you're allocating your time? How much yeah, time exactly. overall?
2: Exactly. And also, um, I don't know if this is the case for everyone, but certainly for me, my memory of situations or my perception of situations is always different from the reality of them. Um, and so the, the time tracking gives me actually what happened and then I can marry up you know, on a pretty regular basis what I thought happened and then what I actually did. And then I can just diagnose problems. What, you know, last year I was sort of, bit, halfway through the year I thought, God, my deal flow feels a bit down. Like I'm not meeting as many companies as, I thought well, maybe it's COVID, and I thought, "Well, am I actually putting the time and the effort in?" And then I was able to go back into the um, back into the time tracking and just go, "Oh, I just haven't I haven't been making the investment myself." It's not that there's no, no change in the market. There's been a change in my time allocation. So it just it, it helps me to to diagnose problems and and just actually get to the truth versus sort of like, "Oh, I feel like I was doing this," and so I feel like I'll do this in response. I can just be very. Um, very diligent about the way I'm tracking it. And, you know, even little things like now that I have an EA, I'm going to try and spend less time on email. So spending about 10 10 hours a week on email, it just feels like, you know, kind of a waste of a life to be a quarter of your time in the inbox. So Mm. working with my EA, I want to try and halve that this year. And so, you know, I will be able to see week to week, did I spend five hours in email or did I spend more? And if not, I can fix it. So, you know, people talk about time being the most precious resource you have, and so I track it and make sure I'm spending it where I want to. Oh, data-driven decisions. I fucking
1: love that. Do you watch TV? <laughs> yeah. you know, like what, what, what do you do to chill out if you're tracking all the minutes? Like, would you, do you track out, track your chill out time? Or... No,
2: I only track work time. Um, so it like... that when I, which gives me a little bit of a sense of like when I'm, you know, when I'm off, I can, I can afford to be off because i i sort of i know that what i need to do is in my trello board and you know like it does allow me to kind of have that really clear delineation between work and play what do i do to you know to answer your question i don't i don't know like there's not that much time between <laughs> work and family uh, what do i do to chill out i like tennis love a good game of tennis Oh
0: nice. You yeah, any good? Robbie thinks he's grouse. He's trying to get everyone down to the to the courts. I don't think I'm come... grouse.
2: I'm so it's okay. He just...
0: dresses up. We just go for a casual hit and he dresses up.
2: Smart. Yeah. It's disrespectful to the game to do anything else.
0: <laughs> do you have the cap backwards? How do you operate?
2: Uh no, no cap backwards. Um how do I pulled up socks? I'm a pulled up socks guy when I go to the club. Oh, yeah. I like yeah. That. D- yeah.
1: double sweatbands and the headbands, you know <laughs>
2: <laughs> love a good yeah Sweatbands, gotta have the sweatbands. no i um i got some favorite tennis socks I can, i'll share a link with you in the show notes maybe for the best nike tennis socks they're so good <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm interested to see Oh no, you Mate,
1: ha- ha- tell us about like your calendar muscle you're talking about if you're tracking your time like this i can just imagine how insane it would be going from one thing to another how do you uh Put, I guess how do you deal with context switching like how do you make sure that you when you know when you go from one thing to another that you turn it on and you're still present
2: yeah um i guess i'm pretty good at it now because it's a job of context switching i actually struggle with the opposite which is not switching context so if i have to go all right just sit down for three hours and get this done like that's actually you know that can take me a little while to get into and i find actually those unbroken blocks so i worry less about the context switching which i'm i feel really good at feels like my natural state and what i wish what i wish i did more of was that solid unbroken time no interruption no inbox no text messages just sit down and do the work and do the thinking Um, i had a couple of blocks of time like that in q4 of last year and it was just like blissful just like clear the calendar for two-thirds of a day Um, actually went to my mum's house while she was a away and then it was there was no one could bother me I just sat down got the coffee out and then just just worked and wrote and it was just an awesome feeling and um, this was it was sort of um, around decision making around two investments that um, I wanted to make at the end of last year it was just so good to have that clarity of thought and so that's something that's a big thing that I'm trying to do a lot more of this year Um, and, and I've tried to make Wednesdays a meeting free day so that I can do as much of that deep work now when your kid's meant to go to school on a Wednesday and they can't, the deep work disappears, but we'll try again next week.
0: I love that, man. I absolutely love that. How do you make your decisions then? Like what's the process when say if new sort of, you got it, you're talking to a couple of different founders and you want to, you're thinking about what to invest in. How do you, how do you break down your decision-making? I know you mentioned um, beforehand about like checklist, due diligence, all that sort of stuff, but is there, is there anything else sort of to add to that?
2: Yeah, it's uh <laughs> Having just done the analysis, so after over the last three years, I've met with in person, so I've seen a lot more than this. But actually, sat down and met with two hundred and seventy-two companies. I've actually only done five investments in that out of in that time. So that's a pretty low number. Now, there's there's uh, two two investments that I wanted to make that I didn't end up making. Um, so you know, I got to their point of wanting to invest in seven out of two hundred and seventy-two. Um, but it's, uh, it's there's, no, there's no checklist. I think the thing for me, and this is particular to me, this, is, this, isn't, this isn't like the right way to invest, but it's the right way for me to invest. Is just, do I have that really deep connection with the founder and a really deep connection with the problem they're solving? You know, good, good kind of uh, test is just you know, after the meeting in between whatever's happening next, does your mind naturally wander to the problem they're solving or what they're working on or, you know, the, the discussion you had. And so I end up having pretty deep relationships with the founders that I work with. And, you know, we, there's just a constant stream of, um, back and forth. So like an example might be, um, uh, last night didier the ceo of culture Amp, had just finished watching um, the playbook which is a netflix documentary about great coaches and he just watched the Mourinho one and he, we were you know we were debating back and forth about a line in that where Mourinho says i don't coach players i coach teams and we're talking about the application of that so it's not just like a you know a brutal transaction where cash exchanges hands and that's the end of it it's a it's a really long relationship and it has lots of you know depth to it and 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 the fact that i you know can can spend time debating you know the merits of coaching players versus teams with someone like didier is what makes this job such a privilege and so much fun um so yeah so for me it's a very um heart and soul business and uh you know so the the, the chances that it, uh, that all lines up and the, the you know the other uh, the founder feels the same way about you know potentially working with me that's pretty rare and and again you know, data-driven decision-making. It's pretty, it actually turns out to be pretty rare. Now that doesn't, that isn't to say that the other 267 businesses aren't awesome businesses that won't go on to, to you know, great heights. It's just that I wasn't the right partner um, for them. And uh, yeah, so, um, uh, you know, it's, it's a it's a pretty cool um it's a pretty cool uh, job because you get to spend so much time with people, you know, in the way that I do it, so much time with people you respect and admire, but it does involve a lot of saying no to people that are very worthy of, um, of investment.
1: Has that always been your skill set, like helping mentor and co- coach people, or is that something that, a skill that you evolved over time?
2: That's a good question. I don't know if I always had the skills, but I always had the interest and the curiosity. So if you go back to high school, I coached a primary school basketball team and, fascinatingly got an email on link got a message on linkedin from one of the players on that team so i would have been grade nine that would have been grade two and he's now a founder reaching out for investment so that was a cool full circle so i definitely look i guess for a really long time I had the curiosity i've had the interest uh i don't know i don't even know now if i have the skills feels like um something that i'm trying to do uh and occasionally i'm useful but i feel I think like any practitioner, when you're doing a lot of something and you're doing it at the coalface, you're not theorizing about it, you're you're dealing with it. You actually make a lot of mistakes and most of what you're doing is learning, adjusting, reacting, fixing an error. And so you actually don't feel like you, I don't feel a sense of mastery around coaching. It feels like something I'm loving learning, but like I've got a long way to go with it, that's for sure.
1: Is there like, you talked before about like the playbook playbook documentary uh, series on um, Netflix, but like there was last year, like the Michael Jordan documentary came out, which is pretty cool talking about um, how, I guess, how intense his leadership style was to drive success, which... Open my eyes a little bit because I, I, I oh, love had, Michael Jordan's. had big wings on it, but you didn't know he's whipping them behind the clothes. I, I didn't know I he was whipping them, but I still don't, like. That's, maybe that's what he has to do for Play that extreme the boys, success. You've got to do it. You know? you know. Like you look at the other people who have achieved great success at the moment. You know? Everyone's a bit different. Jeff enough. Bezos, who's just <laughs> oh, pulled yeah. the pin. And We released a pod a couple of days ago talking about Jeff Bezos. We don't know if he's evil or not. <laughs> do you reckon he's evil or not? Uh,
2: it's a good question. So do you think, let me ask you a question. Do you think Facebook's evil? Do you think Mark Zuckerberg's evil?
1: I don't know if he's a lizard or not. Isn't that is <laughs> no, the conspiracy? No, no. <laughs> is he a
2: lizard? Mason? What? <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't
1: I think he's a bit, I don't think he thought enough. But I don't think he, I don't think we as a society knew enough about what could have big. created. Yeah, yeah. And then as we've all caught on, it's just the technology was ahead of what society and people understood. And now we're playing catch up and regulations can't catch up to what it was. They've got too much power. The, the data that they own and control, the m- amount of money that they make. They're bigger than other other countries and governments. Now we're thinking, fuck, what are we meant to do? I think that's the situation yeah. we're in.
2: Yeah, but they're probably feeling the same way. Yeah, like they're probably going, holy shit, we've got billions of people and all this, and, you know, they're, they're probably they're inventing new ways of that. Like, what's the precedent for managing something like Facebook? It just so mm. look anything that gets as big and dominant and as close to infrastructure as Facebook or Amazon or you know, whatever the example might be, Google is definitely going to have things that they do that are not right, that need need to be stopped, that need to be changed. I definitely don't think Bezos is evil or Zuckerberg's evil. Like, I don't think they're perfect. But they just ended up building things. And none of us knew that the internet was going to empower these things to get so big. And none of us predicted when we signed up to Facebook in 2004, you know, at uni, like, this was just a way to meet other people on campus at uni. And then suddenly it's like, Oh, this thing, this thing's changing elections and, you know, is, you know, part of the infrastructure that removes leaders globally go, wait a second, this is not what we planned it to be. So I think we're just learning as a society how to wrap our heads around this stuff. And yeah, we got to hold, we got to hold the leadership of Facebook and Amazon accountable, but equally, like I do have some sympathy for the complexity of what they're doing. And like, I don't think if I, if I was the CEO of Amazon or Facebook tomorrow, any of these situations would be made better. So um, I do have some sympathy for what the pressures of the leadership might
0: be. 100%. And it's the first like wave of the internet too. You know what I mean? It's the first time we're dealing with all this stuff. Like you're looking at even like social commentary now, like everyone can have a voice and share their opinion. And it's just, it's a different world, isn't it? It's like, who were we talking to Sir John Kerwin about? And he was talking about, um, we know more in a day than what our grandparents knew in a lifetime.
1: We have yeah, the availability of the input of uh, information that we experience is yeah. just in generations past they'd go home from work and then they just i don't cook dinner and listen to records that sounds and and talk and talk to each other yeah (laughs) yeah
2: yeah yeah it's i look it's it's i'm a real optimist though it's been nothing but a blessing for me personally and i just think on balance it's yeah like i guess it really comes down to like are you optimistic or pessimistic pessimistic about the human race and Uh, what's the um, quote the arc of human history bends towards justice like that's i believe that and uh, but it's it's sort of messy it's not it's not not perfect and facebook and amazon all these things are just reflections of society as a whole you know there's the full spectrum of experiences there
1: it's 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 funny because i i look at it and from i'm a big fan i'm an optimist too i'd like to believe that all these things are going to work out for the best but it's just funny because it's at the moment I think when people are feeling sad or their circumstances have, have been impacted with things like COVID that everyone's experienced, everyone looks for something to be like, well, fucking Jeff Bezos did this, so my life down yeah. back in uh, <laughs> yeah. in essence has been ruined, you know? <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah, we need a scapegoat. It's, there's a definitely a human desire to just, you know, it's. What would you rather like? Accept that it's just all too complex, or blame this person and then direct your anger at that one. It's much easier from a human nature standpoint to direct your anger at a single individual. So I also I understand why people do that. Can you can you talk to us a
0: little bit about tall poppy syndrome? I suppose uh, it's been embedded in sort of the Australian culture since forever. How have you seen that sort of um, over time? since
2: you've sort of been in the game? Yeah, I mean, we talk about being in the business of fertilizing tall poppies. So, you know, you take the tall poppies and make them grow even taller. So, honestly, in my day-to-day existence, I, I barely see it because, because everyone, you know, in the community that we're in is just, you know, hoping that the next person goes on to greater heights because there is a all, all boats um, lifting with the tide sense in the community of startups, I think, at the moment. Um, but... like I remember high school uh, and I remember like primary school thinking like, "Oh shit, like being smart is like maybe not such a good idea socially. Um, And, you know, maybe if I do have ambition or uh, maybe if I really do want to go for something, it's probably best kept to myself than sharing it. And and I think probably lots of people that felt that way growing up. So um, I think you're stuck with it early and we're stuck with it culturally. And the flip side of it is, of course, that we are, I think, pretty humble country. Uh, and that we don't take ourselves too seriously. And I do think tall poppy syndrome is linked to that. But if we're going to create a generation of incredible entrepreneurs, we have to pretty quickly leave tall poppy syndrome behind. And I think I think there's thousands of people now that sort of pay no mind to tall poppy syndrome. And uh, I think there's enough people now where if you are feeling like a tall poppy, I guess the question is just, are you surrounded by the right people? Because, uh, um I think that's a really critical decision you make is who are the people you spend the most time with and, and surround yourself with. And if they're making you feel like a tall poppy, the question isn't, is tall poppy syndrome bad? It's are you surrounded by the right people?
1: Well, I like that take.
0: I like that. Isn't it like you become the the, who, the five people you hang around or whatever? Like, well, there's, there's some there's there's like, saying
1: like that. Wait, who who oh, are 100%. companies... You talk- Mm. Talking about um, Australian Australian market, what, what companies are you digging at the moment in Australia? Maybe no, they're not ones that you're invested in. Like, Which ones are you really interested in and um, excited to watch their journey and their growth over the next few years?
2: Well, the top of the tree is Atlassian. And Atlassian just proves to a whole generation of, of young people in Australia of like what's possible. Like, You can build a $50 billion company and do it your own way. So that's pretty cool. Because before you would have had to like you would have had to believe in the possibility of that, and now you can believe in the reality of that. So then the next generation, I think, is really led by Canva. And uh, and Canva is proving that Atlassian wasn't a fluke. Actually, we're gonna it's gonna happen again. And then there's just a generation of companies that have popped up over the last decade that that are gonna prove it. Canberra and Atlassian on Flukes either. So Culture Amp is obviously one where I'm on the board and you know, in love with the mission to make the world of work better for um, a billion people globally. Uh, so I, I love Culture Amp's mission. Safety Culture is another one in our portfolio at Blackbird, which obviously really proud of, of being involved in. Um, Zoox uh, is a self-driving car company that Amazon now owns. Um, uh, that's one that was in our portfolio for many years that we're just deeply, deeply proud of. Uh, And then there's so many more. We've got 70 companies in our portfolio now and maybe more than that. And uh, they're all working on, you know, their individual ways of making the future a better place. And uh, it's so exciting. Like, I think there's been a huge cultural shift over the last two decades in Australia that's going to give us a chance at success in the long term um, to really transform who we are as a nation and what we believe is, is possible.
0: So that's what you look for in terms of like making the world a better, better place or so adding more value rather than just taking away. Was there beforehand before all this sort of our generation of VCs are coming through, was it more about just money and what we can sort of grab at that time or take advantage of at the time? And has it more changed to like purpose driven like ventures?
2: I think what's actually changed is that customers care more about purpose. And so um, the money follows that great, great companies have to, be great to their customers. Have to give an incredible experience, and so um, naturally, founders are leaning towards doing things like that. Uh, I don't know about the how past generations of, of VC did it. I think you know, we just we just think about um, we think about it through the lens of do customers have incredible relationships with their customers? Do companies have incredible relationships with their customers? And uh, if you're not if you're doing something that your customers aren't in love with, then you're going to struggle to scale. You're going to struggle to grow. You're not going to have word of mouth. You're not going to have high NPS. Um, and and so I think it's actually a little more um, uh, pragmatic than just you know for purpose having some sort of ethereal value. Like I think, I think people are just responding to a market that cares more and and can speak up more and can get on Twitter and complain if the product isn't up to their standard and have a hundred thousand people retweet it. Like brands now have to be answerable to that, and that's I think a good thing. Mm-hmm
0: authenticity now. It's just like, you can't be, you can't try and portray this story or anything like that. It's more like, no, you really need to show everything. Transparency is like the number one thing, isn't it really?
1: Well, it's, when you watch these, like when you, I like watching the ones that don't handle it that well, not because I like seeing people crash and burn, but I just, I, I think it's good examples of, because people can pick it. People can see bullshit from a mile away. And I think that when you talk about holding brands or brands or companies to account, well, that's the account part. I feel like it's mm. people in, like as social media and like all these different platforms are at scale, people can just be like, fuck these guys, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're taking a yeah. the piss.
2: Yeah. Yeah, totally. And leave. And you know, there's choice now. You can go to you know another bank or you know, another provider of whatever service or product. So I think overall, that's a good thing. I think I certainly feel more empowered as a consumer today than I did 10 years ago or 10 years before that. And that's, that's definitely a good thing.
1: Are, are you on the clubhouse trend?
2: mm uh, I'm really impressed with it. Um, I think the the founder um, has done such an incredible job in in the sort of the, the thoughtfulness that's gone into the product. So the way that he's designed the profile pages, where there's that link to who linked that person or the way that in a chat you can see who the speakers follow as a way of differentiating between like thousands of people in the chat who are the highest signal people in this and you can go and sort of interact with their profile and maybe follow them and see what they're doing so there's a lot of thought that's gone into that product i think it's very hard to do a breakout social app in 2021 because all of our phones are basically full of apps right now like was the last app that went off your home screen and, and was replaced by something new. Like it's pretty rare that that happens. So you've got to admire all of that. And I haven't found yet my groove with like when I would listen to it and what I would listen to. And I think the platform hasn't found its groove in terms of the quality of curation. Um, but it's what, like a year old or something, like we'll mm-hmm. figure all that out. And so it's, it's uh, I think it's a remarkable product experience and I'm sort of in awe of it. And Andrew Chen, who was the um, VC uh, that, that backed it backed clubhouse and Substack, So he's really making this fascinating play into the future of media, um, both written and, and, and and audio. And so uh, he's, he's definitely someone to track in this journey too. He's, he's been a great friend of ours and and spent a bunch of time with our portfolio companies over the years. And he's a really wonderful guy. So, I'm, I'm impressed by his um, uh, sort of selection of companies too.
0: Oh, I love that. And and I love the fact that Clubhouse too, like what, like you said before, it shows who you nominate. So it gets you to invite the people um, to get more proactive and get people on the platform. So it's smart, it's smart as fuck, really. That was the one thing. The Nick, hype. And he I was... called me
1: the other day, Nick. He called me the other day and he FaceTimed me. And like we spend nearly all day, every day together. And yeah. he's going back home. He's like, he's, he's yelling at me over the FaceTime. <laughs> you got to get in this clubhouse. We're in this clubhouse. I'm in this chat. I'm doing yeah, this. I'm doing that. I'm yeah, like, man. I'm the hype man. Yeah. He's hyped it up. I don't know. He yeah. doesn't work there, but they're looking yeah. for sponsors. There's, uh...
2: <laughs> Yeah. I mean, but think yeah. about what you could do with your platform and your, um, your brand here to bring together your community on clubhouse in a different way so there's the sort of the podcast that are sort of these like lines in the sand of these moments that you can that are sort of very fixed and then you can create these clubhouse moments where you can bring people in from your audience and put them on the put them on the stage and discuss things i don't know it seems like there's lots of ways that it can um can be a place where communities live and it's, yeah, it's nice in a COVID world. It, it felt like a nice social experience when I was in there. It's pretty, you know, there's things that they've done, like they don't have a live chat feed. So you don't have to have that crazy kind of abusive web, you know, anonymous chat thing that happens in comment threads. Um, and, it, you, you know, you, you have that ability to follow people and then follow them back, but you don't have the ability to message them. Like think about that decision in the product room at Clubhouse. Should we allow people to direct message one another? And they've decided not to. And I reckon they. I think. I think that's a great thing because they've allowed people to come into the community in a safe way without getting you know spammed or have people feeling unsafe or you know. But but you still you can follow people and follow what they do and talk to them. I don't know. There's just it's there's something really special about the way that they have built it. So uh, I'm fascinated to watch it
0: oh i love that yeah as soon as i sort of jumped in i was like this is something we need to like uh, do a bit of strategy around because especially pre-algorithm and all that sort of stuff you can you can really do some damage and meet some really cool people and it's an awesome tool and i don't know let's get let's get on clubhouse <laughs> eh?
2: get involved i think huh? you should so andrew chen who's the who's the vc that backed it he already has a million followers you know that, that had it that's that's crazy so you know i think there's an opportunity For for anyone that has an audience, to create a whole new experience for that audience on Clubhouse.
0: Yeah, Harry Stebbins, I think, done a done a really good job as well on on Clubhouse. I saw he's nearly up to a million. And I know Jadon was talking about him going, just watch what he does. And Alex Zachariah, who I'm sure you you know you're good friends. Yeah. Yeah. And he was just saying the same thing. It's like looking at his journey, going shit. He's done this really well. He stays up to like one or two o'clock in the morning, and he's just and he just plays the time zone. He's so smart.
2: Yeah, 100%. And to your point, before things get locked in, that's the point to kind of leverage and a, a, like to, to figure it out before the companies even figured it out themselves, I think. Um, and yeah, this is the time to invest in a platform like that is early. Love that.
1: Get involved, huh? Get involved. Like, take us back. You've had like talking to you and seeing the different uh, companies you've invested in in your journey uh, yourself. What's been some memorable moments that have stood out? Like, is any like, amazing stories any epiphany moments any like car crash train wreck investments anything that you would like to share that you think would be beneficial for those listening
2: well it hasn't hasn't been announced yet and i won't reveal the founders now but they a couple of founders have just um had a really awesome exit um over the last couple of weeks with you know they've toiled away um for the last five years they haven't been on the hype train uh they've just been just been working on product, signing customers that have been profitable for two years. They haven't raised money um, by choice and they just had an exit that's going to change both their lives. So that's special to see because I know the hard work that's gone in behind the scenes. I know the commitment that they've made to the product, to the company, to their customers. I know the late nights and the stresses and, and to see them rewarded is pretty special. Um, What else? Anyone who's running a company will know how up and down it is, and it's not up and down like a monthly timeline. It's up and down, you know, intra-hour ups and downs. You're going to feel awesome at 8.15 a.m. and just like dog shit at 8.19 a.m. So uh, it all blurs a little bit together. You know, Every, I guess I would say every time I have like a really big up moment, I think I was probably a down moment following pretty quickly after this because that's just the nature of it. But I did have a I did have a special sort of moment at the end of last year. I went up to Sydney to see two portfolio companies that I invested in. One when there were three, yeah, both one when there were three people, and actually the other one was three people when I did the first investment. And that was in the last two years they've both um, grown really quickly, and one of them's now fifty people in an office in Chippendale, and the other one's thirty-five people in an office in Surrey Hills. And so when you meet a founder who just has an idea and it's just just their idea and very early and you give them some money to kind of support their belief in what they're doing and and, and sort of get them off to a, you know, off to a start. And then within two years you go into this place and there's just people everywhere. Uh, It's a pretty cool feeling because you know that you've played a small part in that journey and uh, it's just amazing to see something go from nothing to something. And, you know, for both of those companies, I know, you know, in, for one of them, there's enterprise customers all over the world. And for the other one, it's, it's, um, it's Australian customers, you know, individuals, you know, hundreds of thousands of them. And so it's just awesome to know that this thing was an idea and now it's a thing with real customers and there's 50 people who work on it every day. It's just, just an awesome feeling. Um, but it is up and down every day. <laughs> um, yeah. it's, there's a great Brad Feld blog post called every day I wake up and there's something fucked up in my life, <laughs>
0: It's true, isn't it? You just got to get used uh, to just being just fucking out of control, don't you?
2: Yeah. And, and it's actually uh, one of the CEOs I work with sent it to me over the break. I thought that's, you know, quite thoughtful of him. Um, that's a great post just talking about how you just have to come to terms with the fact that that's just the reality. When, you know, in a, in a, when you're, you know, a fully deployed VC, you're working with eight, 10, 12 portfolio companies where you sit on the board and you're ultimately responsible for, you know, what happens in the company yeah you're gonna you're gonna every day you're gonna wake up something new that needs to be solved and so the the mindset is really the key which is to be comfortable with that discomfort versus hoping that things will be good and then being disappointed when they're not so yeah every day there's something new to fix but um yeah occasionally I'll get a nice moment of just like ah, oh, feel, feel like a really I oh, was probably probably one other example which is the founder again met, met her two years ago and she had an idea and then she prototyped it in like a shipping container. And then late last year, she moved into 150,000 square meter warehouse. And it's just like, God, this is cool to see again. You just had an idea for something and then you made it come true. And that's, what's magical about this job.
0: I love that. You're going to be like 80, 90 years old, looking back on, holy shit, like all the, it shapes culture and everything. It's not just like, I don't know. I just being around creatives and being involved in projects like that. I feel like you're going to have a million different stories and, your grandkids, you're just going to have oh, you, a know, few, more,
1: few more primary school basketballers <laughs> might hit you up and say, Look, you changed me life, you know?
2: <laughs> I hope so. I, um, yeah, like, I hope, I hope I do this long enough to have something become really meaningful and successful. You know, I often think, I, I spent my first part of my career in music, and I often think about albums that were written 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago that still resonate today. And, you know, think about, can you build companies that, that do the same thing? And it's equally rare. You know, most of the companies that get started this year will, will not you know, resonate through multiple decades, but that's sort of what you strive for to create something sort of timeless and enduring. And, and it's what makes this job interesting because it's not easy to do.
0: Oh, I love that, man. Like, especially when you're comparing it to music and the brands, like brands that stand out, like um, Metallica you know pink floyd you look at all the old no effect stuff like things that just stand the test of time it's fashion it's culture it's all that sort of stuff and that's sort of how we wanted to treat the podcast and treat it more like a band and i don't know find your tribe and the gang and i think it's we're slowly cutting away at that tall poppy syndrome and trying to help as many people as we can and inspire other people and you know it feels like you're just doing it in spades and helping all these young aussie founders um you know realize their dreams and play an important part along the way it's incredible
1: must be very rewarding mm.
2: some days <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some true. days yeah yeah so it's it's company building so it's mostly just problem solving and problems and mostly painful so um yeah it's 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 wonderful but um yeah it's not without its challenges
1: so mate you've, you've had well, a couple of weeks back on the tools now since you've had a couple of weeks off uh what's on for 2021 what, what does 21 2021 hold in store for you I got there yep, I've been,
2: I've been setting, you know, setting annual goals and quarterly goals and weekly goals and daily to-do lists for probably you know decade and a half now. And where I've got to now is I like to just settle on one, two, or three goals for a year, not to overcomplicate it. So I want to do two new investments this year. That's the number one goal that I have, which sounds like nothing, but it's really just calling out that you know, in a busy week where I'm trading off a whole lot of things, I'm going to prioritize doing the thing that gets me to go meet a new, a new company, a new founder. And I really in reflecting on um, where I've spent a lot of time and haven't got a lot of result is in doing later stage deals. So companies that are already established with a lot of revenue and playing that game. I just, I just don't enjoy as much. Um, What I really love is, is those investments in the founder before they launched or before they, you know, one, two or three people. So I, I really want to make one or two great investments. And so, you know, I know from the data that's, that's, I want to go and really be excited to meet 70, 80 founders this year and try and find 70 or 80 founders. Cause I'm not going to take a meeting unless I think there's a chance that at the end of it, I'm going to invest. I just don't want to take the founders time unless there's a chance that it's worth their time as well. So that's really focus number one. And then the other focus is just around uh, just keeping the family stuff together. So it's just, two kids, wife, who's just a hyper busy doctor and like, I have to be the kind of glue that keeps it all together. And that can be pretty difficult um, and, and, and straining at times. And so I've got to really carve out the time and the space to do that. And so the other goals are just are more around just staying healthy and then just managing my week. So, you know, for a long time, I was really focused on managing my time, which I feel like I'm pretty good at now. Now the thing I'm much more focused on is managing my energy because um, if you come to the 4pm at the end of the day and you're absolutely cooked and you're not going to be a good dad for the put down and that, that's, that's just not good for anyone. So it's just about managing my energy through the days and through the weeks and all the behaviours that kind of allow me to be energetic and present. So the, goal, the personal goals are more on that side, but work-wise, it's just, I just want to do two, two new deals. So I'm really excited, you know, join the board and wake up thinking about the companies and, you know, texting with the founders about whatever it might be late at night. I'm excited
1: that. to see what happens and yeah, so pumped to have met you, mate. Thank you so much for jumping on the pod. This has been an unreal chat. I've loved oh, it. You had a good time? Mate,
0: yeah, I've had a great time. It was, no, you
1: can't say you didn't. Uh, but you know, no, no, no. Honestly, it's <laughs> been,
0: we, we, we talk to a lot of people and you've blown our minds, man. Honestly, like, like what you're doing and how you're helping um, and what you've set up and created. It's inspiring.
2: Yeah, I'm glad Jaden set us up. It was awesome to spend some time with you guys.
0: All right. Hey, 10 out of 10. Again, again, it wasn't a shocker with Nick Crocker, wasn't it? Not a
1: shocker with Nick Crocker, and I don't reckon he's ever heard that joke before. I don't reckon uh,
0: original, huh? We're known for our zingers, aren't we? Well,
1: it's, that is a zinger, and uh, that that whole chat, just hearing how he breaks down uh, his time and tracks it over the last few years, how how he what he looks for when he's trying to work with people, his experience, um, I guess, just in that whole startup scene, the fact that he's yeah, just shared and parted some knowledge and words of wisdom with a couple of knuckleheads like you and just you, not, <laughs> just you know. just me.
0: Yeah, just throw me under the bus. Yeah, it was a bit of a, a bit of wax on wax off, wasn't it? Um, some of the stuff he's been involved in and um, his life experiences and business experiences and what he's been able to do. And like, he's not even an old dude, you know. And he's he's still relatively young, and he's and he's done a bunch of different shit, working with some of the best of the best. So um, he's good to have in the back pocket, isn't he, Rob?
1: I hope, his, uh, I hope his son got a few Beyblades too. I'll tell you right now. Are we, he friends, deserves now? Him. Are we friends now? Do you, reckon, do you class us as friends? Will, do we tell people we're friends with Nick Crocker? Well, next time he sees him, I'm going to ask him for a Beyblade for sure.
0: <laughs> I like it. Hey, if you're loving, loving the podcast, what you can do is before you tell a friend, leave us a review. Tell us how good we are. Tell us how much you love it. Uh, that would mean the world to us. And it really goes a long way. Don't it, Rob? Sure does. See you next episode.